The evidence still pouring in even as senators are taking their oaths. The lead starts right now. President Trump's fate now in the hands of the U.S. Senate as the third impeachment trial in the history of the United States commences. And as a government watchdog says, the deed that partly got President Trump impeached broke the law. A witness coming forward as well and saying the president knew and it was all about 2020. One of Rudy Giuliani's foot soldiers indicted and does and of dubious credibility, but is what he's saying true? Plus, meddle with an election? How about rigging the entire country's constitution? Today, another piece of Vladimir Putin's plan to hold on to power comes together. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the politics lead today. The fate of the Trump presidency now lies in the hands of the U.S. Senate. The historic moment marked with the reading of the articles of impeachment on the floor of the Senate and the swearing in of Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, along with the swearing in of nearly every U.S. senator as they prepare for the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. Democrats in the last hour making note of the gravity of this moment and the case for the president's impeachment. Nothing we do while we serve in the United States Senate, will be more important and consequential than putting country above party. Today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is using new evidence, some of it official, some of it of dubious origin, to reiterate the Democrats' push for witnesses in the Senate trial, something the president and his Republican allies have long opposed. But there are some signs that some Republicans may break with the president. And as CNN's Sarah Murray now reports for us, there will be a Senate vote on this critical sticking point. It's not the kind of history President Trump was hoping to make. Donald J. Trump, president of the United States, is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors. Today, for just the third time in American history, the Senate convened an impeachment trial of the president and prepared to decide whether Trump should be removed from office for his conduct in the Ukraine scandal. The seven House impeachment managers, who will serve as prosecutors in the trial, marched to the Senate, where House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff read the two articles of impeachment for abuse of power and obstruction of justice. With the permission of the Senate, I will now read the articles of impeachment. At the heart of the trial, Trump's alleged attempts to withhold a White House meeting and security aid to pressure Ukraine to investigate his political rival, Joe Biden. President Trump used the powers of the presidency in a manner that compromised the national security of the United States and undermined the integrity of the United States democratic process. The day's heavy pageantry included swearing in the Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, who will preside over the president's trial. I'm now prepared to take the oath. He then swore in senators. Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, you will do impartial justice? Each senator signed an oath book vowing to act impartially. But the GOP-controlled Senate is almost certain to acquit the president, though a trial could reveal surprises. Democrats continue to push for witnesses and new evidence to be included. They are afraid of the truth. They don't want to see documents. They don't want to hear from my witnesses. Uh, they don't want to, they want to ignore anything new that comes up. While most Republicans are shrugging off the new revelations emerging almost daily, insisting the president's trial is no place for entering new evidence. Do you think the Senate should consider new evidence as part of the Senate trial that Absolutely has come out? Why not? Why not? Because that's not our job. 
Now, Jake, as you pointed out, senators will have an opportunity to vote on whether they want to hear from witnesses so we could get a better sense on how this will all shake out when the trial begins next week. All right, Sarah Murray, thanks so much. Joining me now is John Dean, whose Watergate testimony helped bring down the Nixon presidency. He's also a CNN contributor, of course. Uh, Mr. Dean, good to see you. As always, I, I want to start with the gravity of today. You have seen this firsthand with your own impeachment experience. Uh, what is the significance of today? Well, it's a real punctuation mark in history. Uh, it's happened so few times in our 200 plus years that when it does happen, uh, it's extraordinary. And it's extraordinary because it's misconduct of a president. Happened with Andrew Johnson, happened with Richard Nixon, happened with Bill Clinton, and now it's happening with Donald Trump. And we, it's just so out of the ordinary uh, that we all have to pause and hope that the process is done honestly, fairly, and well. We know that senators uh, are precluded from having their smartphones on them uh, on the Senate floor during the trial. President Trump assuredly will have his phone, and Chief Justice John Roberts will be presiding over all this. What will be different, do you think, about this than what happened in, in the Clinton impeachment? Well, you know, it, it, the, they're working on the basic rules that were set up uh, in 1986, uh, which precluded it was before the, the Clinton trial. And uh, so those rules are, are based on history. Uh, they are based on the Johnson trial, and they were updated to try to deal with uh, more modern situations. So I, I think we're going to see very similar patterns. It's clear that uh, the minority, majority leader wants to follow the Clinton model, which means that they will have opening statements. They will ask questions of the managers, and then they'll decide if they bring witnesses in. I would be astounded, Jake, if they don't bring witnesses in. Mm. That, would be, that would be out of the ordinary. Well, the, the president uh, does not want witnesses. He wants a speedy trial. We have heard a few Republicans suggest that they're at least open to witnesses. Um, do you ultimately think there will be at least four Republican senators, whether Susan Collins or Mitt Romney or whomever, who, who will break from uh, the flock on that issue? I think there could be more than four by the time they get there. When they think about this, when it all hits them, what's going on and how ludicrous it would be to join a cover up uh, rather than trying to put the facts out and let the truth speak for itself. The New York Times reports that uh, former National Security Advisor John Bolton, uh, who has notified the Senate that that he is willing to testify if subpoenaed, um, Bolton is, is planning to detail some of what he saw regarding the Ukraine scandal uh, in his new book, which is due out uh, this summer. As somebody who has been through the Nixon impeachment, also wrote uh, a book, uh, Blind Ambition, that was turned into a TV movie even. Uh, what do you make of all that? Well, actually, the prosecutors asked me not to write a book uh, when I had offers very early uh, to do so until after Watergate had come to rest. I agreed with that. I thought that was the wise policy to not do so. And so I think what Bolton is doing is, while he has apparently sold the book for a handsome price, he's also bought himself some insurance by offering to testify so that his book isn't revelatory in a sense that he didn't offer any of that information to the government and now is cashing in on it. He's sort of protected himself against that. 
if the Senate wants to call him, and they could certainly ask him what he's putting in his book. Uh, Jake, I think there's some confusion about what will happen if there are witnesses. Mm -hmm. They're not going to appear on the floor of the Senate. They're likely to go into private depositions, and then they put screens out on the Senate floor, and the parts of the depositions that are deemed important for the trial, then they get played for the jury of the 100 senators. That's what happened during the Clinton impeachment, uh, the, the video, as you, as you note. Um, the president's son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner uh, spoke about his role in the Trump administration with Time magazine. He's on the cover. He said, quote, one thing you have to remember when you work for President Trump is that you don't make the waves. He makes the waves. Your job is to surf the wave as best you can every day. And you have to always smile and have a sense of humor with it because he's the one who's got the instinct. He was talking about uh, his father-in-law, President Trump's governing style, but do you think there's a there's a message there that's relevant at all to this impeachment matter? Well, there's no question this is a man who likes to make the waves and does make the waves either intentionally or unintentionally. And then he likes to ride his own waves. Uh, his pattern really hasn't changed, uh, Jake, in in his adult life. Uh, Donald Trump today is no different than Donald Trump, who was doing deals in somewhat awkward and not always ethical ways in New York. And he just he's playing on a bigger stage. He wasn't prepared for it. He thinks he can do things that you can't do in government. And now he's actually being called to task for it. And he did it uh, knowing he shouldn't do it. And we'll see if the Republicans will say this isn't what we want our president to do. Former White House counsel John Dean, thank you so much. Appreciate your time as always, sir. The alleged middleman telling all what indicted Rudy Giuliani associate Lev Parnas is saying about President Trump on Ukraine and why it may be one of the most damaging statements yet if you think he's credible. Then Russian President Vladimir Putin taking a Trump joke and possibly turning it into a scary reality. We'll explain. Stay with us. And welcome back. We're back with the politics lead as Senate Republicans take the lead on impeachment. House Democrats are pushing them to try to make them listen to new evidence, particularly from someone who claims to have firsthand knowledge. I'm referring, of course, to Lev Parnas, one of Rudy Giuliani's associates, who claims he personally threatened Ukrainian leaders and asked them to launch investigations into the Bidens. Parnas, who we should note, has serious credibility issues and has been indicted He says he took his orders from Giuliani on behalf of President Trump. As CNN's Alex Marquardt reports, Parnas describes a shakedown at the highest levels. The indicted associate of Rudy Giuliani turning on his old boss and the man they were working so hard for in Ukraine, President Trump. I idolized him. I mean, I thought he was the savior. (laughs) Lev Parnas says everyone knew what was going on in Ukraine, including Trump. During a media blitz that helped show prosecutors he's willing to cooperate, Parnas revealing how significant the pressure was in the quid pro quo with Ukraine. Investigate the Bidens or else. If they didn't make the announcement, basically, there would be no relationship. The Ukrainian-born Parnas says he told officials in Kiev there would be no military aid or a White House meeting for the new president unless they announced the Biden investigation. The only thing uh, we cared about, uh, and we were part, we were the team, was to get Zelensky or Poroshenko or somebody to make a press release, an announcement into the Biden investigation. Also in the balance, Parnas said, was the attendance of Vice President Mike Pence at Zelensky's inauguration. No announcement, 
no Pence. Pence wouldn't be at the inauguration, and there would be no visit to the White House. There would be basically, they would have no communication. There was no Biden announcement, and Pence canceled his trip. In terms of who knew about what you were doing in, in Ukraine, did Vice President Pence know? Of course. Pence's office responded that Parnas will say anything to stay out of prison. Trump has denied knowing Parnas, despite numerous photos showing the two together. Every time he says that, I'll show him another picture. He's lying. He's lying. The administration is also accusing Parnas of lying in these new interviews. Nobody on TV like that is under oath, and he obviously is uh, desperate to get attention. Claiming his credibility is in question since he's been charged with four counts of campaign finance violations. I thought they were going to shut me up, make me look like the scapegoat and try to blame me for stuff that I wasn't done. The massive trove of documents that Parnas handed over to House Democrats reveals a second quid pro quo that Parnas says he was working on. Get Trump to remove the corruption-fighting U.S. Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, and in exchange, the top Ukrainian prosecutor would offer help with the Bidens. Text messages between Parnas and Robert Hyde, a Republican congressional candidate in Connecticut, suggest that Hyde was offering surveillance, or worse, of Yovanovitch. They're willing to help if we, you, would like a price, Hyde texted. Guess you can do anything in the Ukraine with money. Parnas and Hyde have denied anything nefarious was carried out. But today, Ukraine announced an investigation into the possible surveillance of Yovanovitch. And FBI agents visited Hyde's home and business as part of their investigation. In the end, Parnas insists that everything he did was under Giuliani's instruction and for the president's political gain. That was the most important thing, is for him to stay on for another four years and keep the fight going. I mean, there was no other reason for doing it. Parnas says he has been urging Congress to let him testify in the impeachment inquiry. He says he could help connect the dots since he was the guy on the ground in Ukraine. Meanwhile, as Ukraine announces that investigation into whether Yovanovitch was being watched, there has been total silence about her security from the State Department, where Yovanovitch has worked for decades, as one of their most respected diplomats. Jake. All right, Alex Marquardt, thanks so much. Uh, Let's chew over all this. Uh, Neil, let me start with you, because we can't ignore Parnas has a serious credibility problem. He's under indictment for campaign finance charges. Uh, The foreign minister of Ukraine told CNN's Christiana Mapur that he doesn't trust a word Parnas is saying. And yet I see people out there in social media, Democrats, acting as if this guy is the second coming of Theodore Roosevelt or something. No, it's true. And and all of those reasons are why maybe people should want him to uh, testify under oath. Kelly and Conway, for instance, says, well, when he's talking in a television studio, he isn't under oath. Right. But there actually is a way to get him under oath if anyone uh, is interested uh, in vetting his claims. Uh, it's not clear at this point that Republicans are interested in hearing uh, his claims. It's also not clear uh, what sort of evidentiary uh, sort of record he has, right? There's been this huge document dump and some of them have come out. You, you've heard uh, from Schiff basically saying they're still going over uh, some of these uh, documents. It's not clear if he has documents or if he's essentially parroting a lot of the information that came out from the impeachment hearing, right? from all of those uh, hours of testimony uh, that essentially said the same thing, that this was a domestic p- a political errand to use uh, Fiona Hill's uh, argument. And some people did suggest that Trump knew how Parnas would know what's in Trump's head. Unclear. 
uh, how he would know what's in mm-hmm. Vice President Pence's head, also unclear. Right. It might be worth uh, having him before Congress and to talk about it. And, and Laura, we should, I mean, as Nia points out, I mean, it does square with a lot of things that we know that have been ascertained. You know, President Trump in the rough transcript says yeah. to the president of Ukraine, talk to Rudy Giuliani, talk to William Barr, the attorney general. Uh, Gordon Sondland testified that the president directed him to work with Giuliani. Sondland said there was a quid pro quo. So it's not as though uh, his chart, the, the, the broad contours of what he's saying uh, are out of nowhere. It's just the specific re- references to Pence knew, Barr knew, Trump knew. How would he know? Right. I mean, there are text messages. Those are in the documents. Uh, Parnas handed those over. He handed his phone over, as well as the fact that um, Parnas said some stuff that corroborates what we heard from the, the testimony of people who, who testified before the House, which is that when Giuliani was on the phone with Trump, he could overhear Trump speaking on the phone. Right. We've heard that before from other uh, witnesses. So again, to Nia's point, uh, uh, one of the biggest arguments from Republicans has always been there's no direct witness that has spoken to Trump. Uh, if they were to bring forward Bolton, bring forward Parnas, these are uh, fact witnesses that they could hear from that could help them square some of the details of this case. And we should note that there is finally an investigation going on in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Ukrainians are looking into what we've learned from this, uh, these revelations from Lev Bar- Parnas and, uh, and also this Hyde guy in mm-hmm. Connecticut uh, as to whether or not there actually was surveillance being done on then-Ambassador uh, Marie Ivanovich, who you know from your time mm-hmm. at, at the U.S. State Department. So finally there's an investigation, not the one President Trump wanted, though. <laughs> Well, and the stunning piece of this is there's been no word from the State Department. So, yes, in Ukraine, there's an investigation. But where's Secretary Mike Pompeo? We learned from these documents that he knew for months that uh, an American ambassador was under surveillance. He did nothing about it. He sat silently by and he said nothing about it. And that's pretty stunning. Uh, and I think it's pretty chilling uh, for the many diplomats I've talked to over the last few days. Amanda, I want to I want to get you to react to this bro- uh, breaking news right now. The lawyer for Lev Parnas just now tweeted a video of President Trump with Lev Parnas. He claims it was uh, at uh, Mar-a-Lago in 2017. President Trump uh, today said he has no idea who Parnas is. Uh, just, you know, he's just somebody he's had his picture taken with. But there certainly are a lot of pictures of Parnas with a lot of top Republicans. Yeah. And then there was a letter from John Dowd last year saying that Love Parnas was part of the pre- was working with Rudy Giuliani to represent the president. So obviously they had some knowledge of each other. But listen, he's not that credible. He's a two bit player. My question is, who is going to stand up for Marie Yovanovitch? She is one of our people going abroad, rooting out corruption and she suffered. She was removed. Someone should be interested in investigating that, especially when she is under possible harassment and surveillance. And I see a lot of Trump people say, oh, those were just guys talking in text messages. No, she got a phone call from someone at the State Department saying, get on a plane. This has to do with your security. Get in the plane, the next plane out of there. So obviously there are other people with knowledge of what she was under and an investigation, a worthy one, would look at that. They would talk to those people. And it is pathetic that Ukraine is looking into this before anyone in the United States Senate does. Um, and then, Jen Psaki, you worked at the State Department. You just talked about this. But it's not just, obviously, Masha Yovanovitch, the, the former U.S. ambassador. Uh, it's uh, former charge d'affaires and ambassador Bill Taylor. Mm-hmm. It's a number of State Department officials and uh, people in the Foreign Service who have dedicated their lives to this country, not in uniform, but in suits, Uh, And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo um, hasn't said a word. That's right. And look, there are still diplomats serving around the world today. And so 
Uh, if you're serving in a difficult place where you're used to being monitored, uh, whether it's Russia or China or other countries, by the foreign country you're serving in, you're expecting that your government, the United States of America, is going to have your back and certainly not be surveilling you as well. And I, when I was at the State Department, there's this well-known um, uh, AP reporter, Matt Lee, who is sort of the curmudgeon uh, chief, uh, chief <laughs> reporter. You, you'd have a lot of respect for him, of the State Department. And when he tweeted yesterday, it's without precedent in my 20 years of doing this and profoundly disappointing and disturbing that the State Department has been unable to come up with any kind of public response to alleged threats against the U.S. ambassador. That tells you a lot. He's been there for 20 years. He's difficult uh, to deal with at times, but, you know, he's making a point about our own values. You call him difficult. I say he's doing his job. And but, uh, but, I, but, but, I, but I take your point. And, and uh, Matt Lee, like basically the dean of the, the of dean the, of the press corps. That's what I mean. The dean yeah. of the press corps. Very well. Respected. And saying where where is where is the statement in support of our own people, Americans? Um, everyone stick around and don't forget, you can see the full interview with indicted Rudy Giuliani associate Lev Parnas. It's tonight on Anderson Cooper 360. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on CNN. Breaking today, an independent government agency saying the Trump administration broke the law when it withheld the aid to Ukraine. What that might mean for the impeachment trial. That's next. Welcome back in our politics lead. President Trump is on the attack and predicting a quick Senate impeachment trial as the nonpartisan independent arm of the government called the Government Accountability Office, or GAO, concluded that the Trump administration broke the law when it withheld security aid to Ukraine last year. And as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, the president is also continuing to deny that he knows a Rudy Giuliani associate who calls himself Trump's asset in Ukraine. Today, new revelations are complicating what the White House had hoped would be an easy Senate trial. I think it should go very quickly. It's a hoax. A nonpartisan federal watchdog agency has determined the Trump administration broke the law when it withheld military aid to Ukraine. According to the Government Accountability Office, blocking that military assistance violated a law that limits the president's ability to withhold money already approved by Congress. And faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those Congress has enacted into law. Today, the White House defended the move by saying the nearly $400 million in aid was eventually released. I'm very glad that Ukraine got its aid and got it within the deadline. While officials aren't expected to be prosecuted for the violation, the release is fueling more questions ahead of Trump's Senate impeachment trial. This is a bombshell as we head into the Senate trial. Democrats say it underscores the importance of having witnesses and new documents in the trial. This reinforces, again, the need for documents and eyewitnesses in the Senate. The White House has spent the last several days finalizing its defense, but new revelations made by a recently indicted associate of Rudy Giuliani's could turn their plans upside down. Today, Trump denied knowing Lev Parnas, despite having multiple photos with him. I don't know Parnas, other than I guess I had uh, pictures taken, which I do with thousands of people. Parnas says the president was aware of his efforts to get dirt on the Bidens and was in close coordination with Giuliani. But today, Trump said he doesn't think they've ever spoken. I had never had a conversation that I remember with him. I don't need the help of a man that I never met before. Despite Parnas's claim he did nothing without the consent of Giuliani when it came to Ukraine, Trump stood by his personal attorney today. Rudy is, is somebody that, frankly, having him on my side was a great honor for me, and it has been a great honor for me. 
Now, Jake, Trump was also asked about a letter that Rudy Giuliani had sent to then Ukrainian President-elect Zelensky saying that he had President Trump's knowledge and consent to ask for a meeting with him. This letter released by House Intelligence Committee this week. Trump said he had no knowledge of that letter, but if Rudy Giuliani had written, written it and sent it, he would not have a problem with it. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House for us. Thanks so much. Joining me now in studio is Republican presidential candidate and former Illinois Republican Congressman Joe Walsh. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Congressman. We appreciate it. Great to be here, Jim. So the GAO, nonpartisan, highly respected congressional watchdog, decided and ruled today, released it, the report that the Trump administration broke the law when it withheld the aid to Ukraine. Here's what the House Republican leader, a uh, man you used to call colleague, uh, Kevin McCarthy, had to say in response. These are taxpayer dollars going to another country that people believe there was corruption with a new administration. I think it was the rightful thing to do. I mean, the GAO said it was against the law. He calls it the rightful thing to do. It's uh, look, these are Republicans, Jake, scrambling because they don't know what to do or what to say. It's been this way since the beginning of the process. I mean, look, to me, the only question, Jake, is what are Senate Republicans going to do? We've known the basic outline now for a number of months. Trump extorted a foreign government to help him cheat in the 2020 election. Everybody knows that. And that was just confirmed with Lev Parnas. There'll be there'll be another Lev Parnas next week and there'll be more evidence the following week. The only question is, are Senate Republicans going to put country before party? Period. Uh, you, you mentioned Lev Parnas. Um He's a man of dubious yes. uh, credibility. The foreign minister for Ukraine says he doesn't believe a word out of his mouth. Um, but you do? You no. Uh, he adds to, as you said earlier in the show, what he said generally fits the yeah. outline of what everybody else has said. But there'll be another Lev Parnas. There'll be John Bolton. There'll be Mick Mulvaney. I mean, every, every week we're going to learn something new. And the bullseye, again, not to beat a dead horse, is on the Senate Republicans. Are they going to demand, I mean, demand a trial, a real search for the truth? With witnesses. With witnesses, with examining current evidence. I saw a couple Republican senators today who said, I don't want to see anything new. I don't care what Parnas said. That's not putting country before party. That's putting Trump first. That's wrong. Let me just ask you hypothetically, because I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. I I sure have, which is. What do you think your former colleagues in the House, Republicans, or the Republicans in the Senate, what do you think they would be doing? Exact same set of facts, okay, but it's President Elizabeth Warren or President Bernie Sanders doing this to a Republican. Exact same set of facts. Do you think people would be like, it doesn't rise to the level? I mean, President Elizabeth Warren, same situation, same facts, would have been impeached three or four months ago and would have been removed from office. And deep down, Jake, every Republican knows that. I've had enough private conversations with my colleagues over the last few months who know that Trump did wrong. So what do they say to you? How do they explain it? You know, it's it's about the 2020 election. Come on, Joe, we all got to be on our side. Yeah, our guy did wrong, but we're up against those Democrats, so we got to put party first. This is one of those moments where you've got to put country first. So there are 10. You're running for president against President Trump in the primaries. Ten states have canceled their primaries um, and caucuses. Um, 
Should, Why are they doing that? And do you, does that mean you don't even have a path? It, it's made the path more difficult. This should be a huge story. I get impeachment and the trial is going to be everything. But this is unprecedented, Jake. Uh, Donald Trump, and make no mistake, this is Team Trump has told the state party in 10 states to cancel primaries, and they have. I went to the head, the Republican headquarters today in D.C. just to talk to somebody about it. I'm a lifelong Republican, former Republican member of Congress, Republican president for Cong- uh, president, and at Republican headquarters today in D.C., nobody would meet with me. It's outrageous. It shouldn't and, happen. And you're very, I know you, and you're very conservative on any number of issues, uh, guns, immigration, whatever. I mean, but, all right. Life's changed Life's post-Trump. Changed. All right. Thanks so much, former Congressman uh, Joe Walsh. Thank you so much. Uh, the impeachment trials timing could not be worse for some of the Democratic presidential candidates. For others, it might be a real gift. That's next. Four of the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls were forced off the campaign trail today. Instead, those four senators were sworn in to hear the president's impeachment trial. And while Senators Bennett, Klobuchar, Sanders and Warren are stuck in Washington, D.C., former Mayor Pete Buttigieg is trying to take advantage. He added more campaign stops and days to his Iowa tour, including five events today alone. Former Vice President Joe Biden is not on the campaign trail today, but he doesn't have to be in Washington. Instead, he's raising money attending fundraisers in Texas. Let's discuss all of this. Amanda, take a listen to Senator Sanders this afternoon talking about uh, the uh, trial's impact on his campaign. I would rather be in Iowa today. There's a caucus there in two and a half weeks. Uh, I'd rather be in New Hampshire um, and in Nevada and so forth. Uh, But I swore a constitutional oath uh, as a United States senator uh, to do my job, and I'm here uh, to do my job. And I, I think the people uh, of the United States uh, understand that. Amanda, in the last two uh, polls out of Iowa that CNN did, Bernie Sanders showing a steady climb, including uh, he was on top of the four uh, front runners. Uh, this could really hurt his presidential contest. Yeah, especially if he has a message like that saying, essentially, I don't like my day job. I'd rather be talking to voters in <laughs> Iowa. I mean, seriously, if you're going to be off the trail, the voters have to believe you're doing something really important. And guess what? This actually is really important, but he's not treating it that way in this clip. I mean, just think about it. He could go back to Iowa and say, this is what I did this week. We were protecting democracy, you know, investigating what's going on in the Trump administration, making sure our officials stand up to our values. But no, he's like, eh, this is my day job. I don't like it. I'm on a new <laughs> oh, I don't know that he'd agree with that character. <laughs> well, I, I saw the clip. <laughs> but take a, take a listen to Senator Amy Klobuchar and how she responded when asked on CNN about balancing her campaign in the Senate impeachment trial. I can do this because I've got uh, I don't need a lot of sleep. I'll get back whenever I can uh, leading into these caucuses. My husband and my daughter are ready to help. Um, and I'm just going to make that case every single town. That's a little more optimistic projection of, of it all. It is. And uh, while she may not need a lot of sleep, I'm not sure she can fly herself through the night um, and return the next morning. So there's no question that this is a challenge for these senators who will be here. As Amanda said, they are here doing something important, but they won't have their phones. There's no opportunity for viral moments. And at the same time, you're going to have Mayor Pete Buttigieg and you're going to have uh, former Vice President Biden all across the state uh, campaigning, meeting voters, engaging. And we know from the polls it's quite fluid there. Very close, very close. And the Buttigieg campaign has also launched new ads in Iowa. Focusing on specific counties in Iowa, the President Trump flipped in 2016 from Obama counties to Trump counties. Take, take a look. 
My name is Antavion Adams. I'm from Fort Dodge, Iowa, and I'm caucusing for Pete Buttigieg. My name is Allison Rasmussen, and I am from Waverly, Iowa. I'm Alvin Coburnus, a Worth County farmer. Hi, everyone. My name is Dante. I'm a supporter right here in North Liberty, Iowa. Dubuque, Des Moines, Davenport, Marshall, Town, Mesa City, KCAT Games. It's all local. It's all local. <laughs> it's a big piece of also Buttigieg's electability argument, which is that he says that he's one of the better candidates to bring over Republicans, bring over independents. It's him trying to make a push for the same uh, voters that Biden says that he would be the best to win. Um, on the case for Sanders and Warren and the other senators that are stuck here, I think right now this time is when we're going to see whether or not they really saturate the field with their surrogates mm -hmm. and how important that'll be for people like Sanders to maybe get AOC out there or for Warren to get her other surrogates out there. It is a big opportunity, though, for Biden and Buttigieg. No, it is. I mean, they've got the state to themselves. Uh, you've seen Buttigieg, obviously, uh, with these digital sort of homespun uh, ads going right to the voters. And there's only so much surrogates can do. I think if you're somebody like Sanders, uh, you've clearly got a lot of energy behind you, right? Uh, that's his crowd in, in many ways in Iowa. You see the polls. Uh, he's doing uh, well there. So I think, you know, all of those things will matter. The grassroots energy, and he clearly has some of that, as do some of the others. Coming up, want to keep the president from yelling at you? Maybe keep the American people in the dark. We'll explain that next. In our world lead today, could fear of a presidential tweet or retaliation be the reason that the nation's top intelligence leaders quietly ask to have their congressional testimony moved to behind closed doors instead of an open hearing? Sources tell CNN that discussions have been in the works to have the annual and public worldwide threats hearings held privately, but the House appears to be moving forward as planned, scheduling a public hearing for next month and formally inviting the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, to appear. Last year, President Trump went after his own intelligence leaders after they contradicted him during the hearings by stating what they thought were correct analyses and facts. CNN's Kylie Atwood joins me now. Kylie, this is pretty unusual. Yeah, it is. I mean, the fact that this briefing in public is likely going to happen is noteworthy. But the backdrop here is that last year, after this public hearing happened, President Trump was extremely frustrated. He came out and he came out against the fact that the intelligence community officials provided assessments that contradicted his policies and his statements on specific foreign policy issues with regard to Iran or North Korea. So this creates the perception that the intelligence community is worried about coming up against President Trump and getting into this battle with him about what the facts are and what the intelligence community assessment is on these issues. And it's incredibly noteworthy. This is the worldwide threat assessment. This takes a lot of work for the intelligence community to put together. And so this is no small document. This is a really an overarching assessment of every intelligence community official and what they've looked at for the U.S. So it does look like the hearings will be held publicly, that the House of Representatives at the very least is not going to buckle to, to the, pre the fear of the president's tweets or whatever. Yeah. Why is it important in the view of, of individuals to have these hearings publicly? Well, the U.S. government works for the U.S. American people, right? And so there is a degree of transparency that is expected. Now, of course, this is the intelligence community. So there are certain things they can't say. There are certain things that they have to talk about behind closed doors. But the bottom line here is that there are emerging threats to U.S. national security on a daily, on a weekly, and a yearly basis. And so this really boils it all down. For example, last year's worldwide secure, uh, uh, 
threat assessment said that Russia and China were emerging threats because of how much they were challenging the U.S. and allies. And so there are specific things that change. And this is a really, really good way to look at the overarching themes here. The president's war on facts continues. Kylie Atwood, thanks so much. On our world lead, it's a power grab that would make the emperor from Star Wars jealous. A new Russian prime minister has now been appointed after President Vladimir Putin proposed changes to the Russian government that would intentionally weaken the presidency conveniently after Putin leaves office. It would pave the way for Putin to keep his grip on power after his term is finished. And as CNN's Fred Pleiken reports for us now, it looks as though Putin may be following another controversial leader's path to stay in power. It's something President Trump repeatedly brings up, including this week, claiming it's a joke. In 10 years from now, when I run yet again, But in the past, he's praised Chinese leader Xi Jinping for making it happen. He's now president for life. (laughs) I think it's great. Maybe we'll have to give that a shot someday. Today, Russian President Vladimir Putin possibly started taking that shot, cementing his grip on power, officially appointing a new prime minister after his entire government resigned following Putin's proposed sweeping changes to Russia's constitution. Changes that would give parliament and the prime minister significantly more power and weaken the office of the president after Putin leaves office in 2024 due to term limits. Many speculate this move sets him up to stay in power after his term ends. Putin is telling his own population and the rest of the world, I'm in charge now, and even after 2024, when I have to resign the presidency, I'm still going to be around and I'm still going to be a player. The move means Putin could be appointed as prime minister or to another possibly newly created post to effectively still run the country. An influential Russian opposition figure responded to Putin's announcement, saying Putin's only goal is to, quote, be the sole leader for life, taking ownership of an entire country and appropriating wealth to himself and his friends. The move follows in the footsteps of several leaders who have changed the rules in their countries to stay in power indefinitely, including Putin's close friend, Chinese President Xi Jinping, who abolished term limits in 2018. She and Putin have struck up a bromance. Last year, she called Putin his, quote, best and bosom friend. And Jake, Vladimir Putin moving along at a lightning pace. The Russians saying that these changes to the Constitution could be put to the Russian parliament as early as February or March. So Vladimir Putin clearly putting those chips in place to possibly stay in power for a very long time, Jake. All right, Fred Plykin in Moscow for us. Thank you so much. He's running for Congress and was just implicated in the Ukraine scandal. Now the FBI is looking at him. Stay with us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.